To all my heavy hitters and lockdown defenders, welcome to the Lockdown Divas Podcast, episode 29. We back in the building, man, each and every Tuesday, right back down here, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, YouTube, Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, you name it, we doing it. Appreciate everybody's viewership, appreciate everybody's support up to this point. We're going to keep rocking and rolling, man, just the beginning. Episode 29, man, you know, we're going to be talking about 229 down the line, man. We're just going to keep rocking and rolling, man. We'll keep dropping this content for you. As always, remember to figure about sports talk uh, with Coach and Kurt. Tuesdays, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, twitch.tv forward slash Divas Sports. We're doing that as well. Replay for that goes live on YouTube on uh, Mondays at 11 a.m. Podcast is always uh, 10 a.m. on Tuesday, so check it out. Like, comment, subscribe as always. We appreciate everybody's support. Oh, man, we got a good show, man. We got a good show. We got a lot of content today, man. A lot of content, man. You know, a lot of good things going to be talked about today. A lot of good stuff. Um, NBA's got hot and heavy. We rounded up into uh, the All-Star Weekend, and we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about some hot games. I want to talk about uh, the Heat versus Jazz, Clippers versus Bucks, and Jazz versus Pelicans. Three uh, marquee matchups this week. We're going to go over those real quick. Talk about the Wizards, man. The Wizards are trending upward, and Bradley Beal is the main reason. We're going to talk about Bradley Beal's production and what that means for the Wizards down the stretch. The Bucks got Drew Holiday back this week, and they are uh, looking like a different team just for just by his presence to me versus the Clippers. So I want to talk about that and for how I think they were fair with Drew Holiday being back in the lineup coming off COVID and uh, what that means for them going forward in their championship uh, contention. We're talking about Portland as well. Um, they had injury issues. Uh, they got CJ McCullough out. They got Nurkic out. They got a few people on the injury list in and out of the lineup. And um, I want to talk about their lineup and how what that means for the team if they can get healthy. Then we're going to talk about Zion Williamson. Zion Wilson is playing very inspired basketball right now. Indicative of a play last night against the Jazz. Oh, man, the, the kid is, is special. The kid is special. So we're going to talk about his potential. Uh, the Hawks fired their coach this week. Uh, we'll talk about uh, that. Actually, they fired him just yesterday. Uh, so we'll talk about that and how uh, that affects their team and that roster. Uh, then we'll talk about the first half season and what our takeaways are and what we feel like the, uh, the first half of this rush season was and what it's going to mean for the second half. And then we'll do a couple of player spotlights for people that I want to, uh, you know, shout out and how they were, you know, pretty much, you know, showing up and showing out. I mean, what can you say? They're definitely balling this week, so we'll talk about that. I'll give a quick uh, uh, COVID update uh, for the NBA. Then we'll get us NFL. Some, ooh, free agency starting to, starting to smoke, man. You know, just when you put that charcoal on the, bar- on the barbecue and it just started to smoke a little bit and started to get warm, that's what the NFL free agency is looking like. The landscape is changing. The landscape is definitely changing. And uh, we're going to talk about this quarterback saga. We're going to talk about Russell. We're going to talk about Deshaun. We'll talk about Big Ben and Drew Brees and, and their rumors and their in their future. Uh, we're going to talk about J.J. Uh, Watt. Uh, he decided to uh, break the break bread with uh, the first person to be re-signed in, in free agency or signed with a new team. So we'll talk about that. And uh, we're talking about um, what it's going to mean for these uh, teams that are extremely over the cap. Uh, you know, Saints in particular, with you know, they, you know, just, you know, enormous cap hell. I mean, let's just put be honest with you, just enormous cap hell. So we're talking about how we think they're going to get out of that and how, what what type of major cuts can we expect going forward. And uh, we're talking about the Jets as well. Um, the Jets, I feel like it's holding the league hostage when it comes to draft prep because nobody knows what they're going to do with the number two pick and what our ideas might be about what they're going to do with the number, one, number two pick and how they're going to affect the draft going forward. Then we'll get into Lakers locker room. We'll talk about uh, this past week, and then we'll get into our games that we played with and without Dennis Schroeder and how difference, how much of a difference that makes. Uh, we'll talk about that, and we'll get into uh, what we feel like we've done in the uh, first half of the season, you know, in, in recapping this last week's games and getting a quick preview of our next two games leading into the All-Star break. And then we'll end with a four-quarter closeout. We'll uh, give out awards for Breakout Player of the Week, Lockdown Defender of the Week, and Big Dummy of the Week. And actually have a new segment coming this week called Black Excellence, Excellence of the Week. So we'll talk about that as well. So uh, let's get into who's the news, man. Let's get it.
so let's talk who's in the news. Let's start with the NBA. We got a, a quite a bit of uh, news to review in the NBA this week. I tell you, it's been hot and heavy. Uh, you know, I looked at the schedule and I was like, man, you know, ain't a whole lot of marquee games going to happen like it was last week. But there's no shortage of news, though. There's definitely a lot of uh, topics that came out of what happened in this past week. And I want to talk about a few hot games. I got three that I want to touch on real quick. Uh, the Heat versus Jazz, the Clippers versus the Bucks, and the Jazz again versus the Pelicans. Now, to, to put it plain, this, you know, the quote-unquote best team in the, in the entire you know NBA right now is the Jazz, obviously, with, with their record. Um, but they've dropped two out of the last three. Um, we started off with the Heat, uh, you know, three games ago. And uh, they end up losing again to the Pelicans, which is ironic. I didn't expect that at all. I mean, if I was going to bet some, a little bit of money, not a lot, on the Heat uh, and the Pelicans beating the Jazz, I was like, eh. Especially after watching what they, you know, how they played against the Lakers. I mean, and I, again, the, the, it's, it's almost a broken record if you listen to me every week. But, you know, you're if you're the best team or you're the champion, you get everybody's best shot. You know, now the Jazz is starting to feel it, I think. People are realizing that they're the number one seed. They're people gunning for you now because you're the top seed. You have the best record. So now we, you're going to start getting everybody else's best game. The Jazz are feeling a little bit what the Lakers have been getting all year. So, for that regard, he played them well. Jazz, you know, I'm not sure exactly what was the difference maker, you know, in this game. Um, if you're looking at the stats, it's pretty plain. You know, um, same thing with the Jazz in the Pelicans game. You know, it, they, it wasn't a game where you're like, oh, God, he knows. They, you know, Donovan was completely off and, you know, but Donovan couldn't hit a shot. You know, Gobert couldn't defend uh, anybody. You know, it, was, it wasn't one of those games in either regard. In either regard, it's just the Heat. You know what he showed me? He showed me that that's the team that played in the bubble last year, that season. That's what they showed me. That's definitely what I saw in that particular game. Now, I, I don't know why they can't play like that on a consistent basis. I mean, granted, you, we'll give them a pass in certain regards because quick turnaround, a lot of injuries, a lot of COVID protocol for them, you know, so that in itself is taxing, you know, to say the least. But, you know, that has definitely, you know, played into their woes, we're going to say. Or the Heat, but you know they still have the ability to play like a, a top level basketball team in certain regards, and they told the Jazz that particular night that, that that's what we want to do, you know, and that's that's what I saw, you know. It's I mean because like I said they didn't they got production out of their big their lead dogs. I mean that's that's just break it down, you know they got production out of their lead dogs. It's just that you know the Heat was just they were just playing well that night, you know. I just. You know, it just ended up bad for the Jazz. But, you know, just to give, you know, just to give brass tax a little bit, you know, Joe Engel had three, 13 off the bench. Donovan had 30. But Donovan had 17. Carson had 13 off the bench. Connie had 14. You know, but you got 33 off Jimmy Butler, 10 rebounds, 8 assists. Bam had 19 and 11. You know, Dragic had 26. So, hey, man, that looked like the team from the finals. That, to me, in that regard, that's, that's definitely what, what they saw that night. And it just wasn't enough for the Jazz to prevail. Like, you know, they weren't hitting, you know, threes at a high clip, you know, in this game like they normally do. So I think that's what sets them apart a lot of times. You know, they're only 32% from the from the three-point line, but I guess with the Heat, were 46% from the three-point line. So that right there is definitely your difference maker. You know, they just basically gave them their own medicine. So you, there, there you have it. I mean, like I said, the Jazz have dropped two of the last three. You know, I mean, and that that's, that's you know, is it really telling going into the All-Star break or not? I'm not sure. You know, but I, I, I say, you know, when, the, when it comes to the Jazz period is that, you know, they worry me from a playoff perspective because they don't have any veteran leadership. They're very young. You know, they're very, you know, inexperienced. 
So that in itself could be problematic, you know, and you being the one seed, you know, you've really got a target on your back. You know, yes, you get to play your home games and, you know, you kind of have home court advantage, but, you know, <laughs> things get different in the playoffs. You know, it's more pressure, you know, and how how well your young guys handle that pressure will determine how far they go. You know, and that's just it. You know, that's going to be that way regardless of where they finish in the West. So, you know, the Heat gave them, you know, a really good game. You know, they end up uh, losing to uh, the Heat. Uh, they played the Magic on Saturday, they end up beating the Magic. But, I mean, you know, with, with – their point got being out, you know, with Marco Force being out, it's you know, it's just an uphill battle for the for the magic period. You know, but then they come come Monday night and play the Pelicans. And uh, you know, everybody was like, Okay, Zion versus Ru- Rudy. And, you know, Rudy had five blocks in this game. You know, but Zion did a very, very smart tactic when it comes to playing a taller, you know, longer rangy guy and go bear and a good defender. You know, he, he in the second half, he got more towards his body, got into his body and got to the rim versus trying to just lay it up at angles where Rudy bl- kept blocking shots all first half. So that was definitely the difference. And I'm liking what I'm seeing out of Zion, how he's adjusting his game mid-game. You know, some people, they will, you know, adjust game to game if you have decent talent, good intelligence, good basketball IQ. But he adjusts mid-game. Like, he'll start to struggle early in the game, and then he'll start making adjustments to, and to allow him to be able to do what he wants to do offensively, especially. You know, he had 26 points in rebounds. You know, and normally his rebounds is kind of up and down a little bit, especially with his size and Rudy standing in the lane. But he had 10 rebounds in this game, so that was definitely a, a uptick in his production there as well. So I definitely got to give him credit for, for giving uh, the Jazz another good game, you know, because we got big-time production out of Zion, we got big time production out of uh, out of <laughs> this. This gets me Lonzo. Lonzo's shooting the ball well from three. And nobody's paying attention to that. And I've been giving him crap for his shooting prowess or lack thereof for a while. He had twenty three points, and I believe he was you know he, he shot a good clip from the three point line. You know, so he and he's been doing that for the last few games. They've been winning. Brandon Ingram had twenty six. Uh, Blesso chipped in with eleven points. You know, Josh Hart had thirteen. So yeah. You know, and look, and I looked at the Jazz stats first, and I was like, "Well, if Bordanovich had thirty-one, they should have won." Donovan had twenty-one, Gobert had twenty-two, five blocks, nine rebounds. You know, I'm like, you know, where was the, you know, where was the W? I'm just assuming they were going to win this, but you know, <laughs> they didn't shoot a lot of three pointers, but the Pelicans itself had shot sixty-three percent from three, whereas the Jazz only shot thirty-nine point five. So right there, there you go right there. There's the difference as well. Like I said, they didn't shoot a whole lot, you know, because I think I think Lonzo had the most threes, but he um, didn't shoot a whole lot of them. Like he didn't he didn't shoot, you know, an enormous, you know, like 10, he didn't shoot 10 threes. You know, if I can, you know, if I can find the number, you know, it was, he was three or five, three or five and three. So 60%. So, hey, <laughs> you know, and I'm, I'm like, I'm just amazed that he's shooting the ball so well from three and I hope he continues. Hope he continues. You know, he had he shipped in with eight eight assists and seven seven rebounds as well. So kudos to the Pelicans, man. You know, they they can keep this up. You know, and JJ Reddick coming off the bench shooting threes at a high clip as well. And I got a feeling that they're going to play this well. They might end up keeping their JJJ JJ. And I was saying that he might uh get, you know, bought out or get traded. But if he keeps playing like this and they keep playing this this well, they probably will keep him because they need that shooter. They definitely need that shooter. So yeah, man. So that was the the Jazz two games, and um, and then going to the Clippers Bucks game on Sunday, man, uh, Giannis versus Kawhi, and I think Giannis heard me 
<laughs> when he, when I think, you know, when I was talking about how bad he plays, you know, offensively, like, you know, it's nothing he does well offensively outside of getting to the rim. You know, he still does that. And, and I want to point out one thing before we get deep diving into this game. <laughs> this guy, he's so tall that he can take two steps from a three-point line and dunk the basketball. I have never seen nothing like that in my life. It was just crazy. And he did, he did that in the game, late in the game, in the fourth quarter. I'm like, he caught the ball, didn't dribble. Took, he was standing at the three-point line, caught the ball, took two steps, and was at the rim with a power dunk. It's just crazy. But he's shooting the ball better from outside. You know, he's not taking a lot of them, but he's shooting the ball better. And, uh, you know, and re- that coupled with the fact that somehow or another Kawhi and, and Paul George uh, fell apart in the fourth quarter yet again, you know, I think they were of I think, I think Kawhi was 0-6, and they were 0-9 together. Um, and down the stretch in like the last half of the fourth quarter. And then Giannis got hot. And to, that was the difference maker. And the Bucks win again. And I'm going to talk about, you know, Drew Holiday in a minute because, you know, he came back for this game. And I was concerned about what was that going to mean for them. You know, what's going to be an uptick in their production because, you know, he's the missing piece. But he's had, he has COVID. Like it wasn't a contact tracing thing. He actually has it or had it. So he's back now. And, you know, that clearly, you know, as we talked about Jason Tatum in the past, that that affects you. It really does affect you, you know, your fatigue, your your wind, your you know, your just your overall athletic ability and your stamina. It affects all of that. So you know, I'm sure they're working back slow, but it just his presence in me made a difference. Like they they was a totally different team from the team I seen in the last you know few games when they had that little downturn of losing. So just having him back as a symbolic gesture, almost kind of like when the Lakers got Dennis Schroeder back. Yeah, he played a lot, but it is them them having him on the floor was just a difference making the team play different. You know, and they played they played the Clippers really well. You know, I mean, for them to be one of the higher rated defensive teams, the Bucks they did a lot of uh offensive producing, just say the least. Definitely produced a lot on offense. You know, Giannis was doing well, Middleton, you know, and uh, Drew Holiday, you know, he was you know, he was there, but he didn't, you know, he wasn't like he didn't want a large contributing factor offensively, but just his presence me made difference for the team. And we'll we'll go talk about in a minute what that might mean for the Bucks. Yeah, so the Clippers, you know, end up falling to the Bucks. You know, so which was a good game. It went down to the wire. But Giannis, you know, with a big power dunk towards the end of the game. And then, like I said, Kawhi missing shots. And Paul can't hit you know, hitting the side of the backboard with threes, which is wild. So, well, yeah, it was a good game, though. They have good games. And so I think that might mean some things for the Clippers in how they need to fix certain things in the fourth quarter. Because it's not the first time they've been, uh, quote, unquote, you know, missing or having lack of production in the fourth. But the Bucks seem to be trending in the right direction going into the all-star break. So we'll monitor them this week. But I think they they are looking up. They're definitely looking up. So let's talk about the Wizards while we stay in the East. The Wizards, man. <laughs> the Wizards, you know, and I think, you know, if I'm not mistaken, you know, they are 7-3 <laughs> in their last 10. And it's largely due to the fact that Bradley Bill is leading the league in scoring. And he's putting up, you know, 35 or more a game in the last 10, obviously. You know, it's it's crazy. It's really crazy. I mean, overall, you know, overall he's averaging above 33 points a game, 33.2. You know, and he's that's clearly the league lead in scoring. And just the way he's doing it from an offensive perspective is just crazy. You know, and I was upset in the beginning of the season because, you know, especially when Russ wasn't there because he was putting up a lot of the good numbers you know, 40, 50, 60 point games and they were losing. And that's just a waste. Like you can't you can't sit here and watch a, a masterful game of you know of offensive performances from Bradley and lose the game. It's just it's just heart disheartening. It really is just disheartening. So 
you know, but they, like I said, they were seven and three in the last uh, 10 and they're definitely trending up. Now, this is my thing where if Russ stays healthy and Bradley Bill continues to play of this, this clip, you know, could they make a push to be a playoff team? And if they are lower seed, would you really want to see a hot Wizards team, you know, in, in the playoffs first round? Would you really want to see that? You know, because like I said, he's scoring out of his mind. Nobody's nobody's been able to put a hand on him. You know, he's really doing what he wants out there. And Russ being a slasher and a distributor, you know, and I think we talked about this when they made the trade, is that it might benefit Bradley Bill's career. And a matter of fact, I'm, I'm almost positive I said this, is that it really may benefit Bradley Bill's career for the fact that, that Russ is a slasher, can get to the rim and drive and kick, and he can get the ball out of out the build, and he can shoot the, from outside all day long. And that's what they've been doing. You know, on top of him just getting his own shot, he can develop and create his own shot as well when he has the ball in his hand. So he's playing out of his mind. And another thing we need to notice, too, about Bradley is that the fact that they start winning more games and they get above 500 and they stay there and they get toward the playoff contention. He should be a candidate for MVP, you know, because the, the amount of scoring he's done and the amount of winning they've been doing is directly affecting their production. Because without him, there's there's no win streak at all. There's no win streak. So I want to see what they're gonna what it's going to mean with them with a healthy team because I watched them play the Lakers and clearly they beat us. You know, and, you know, their role players, you know, were effective along with Russ and, and Bradley working well off each other. So, you know, did the Wizards make a good good, uh, good trade in getting Russ over to Washington? Remains to be seen. But if they continue this trend, they will make the playoffs, especially in the East because, I mean, the Pacers are falling, you know, the Celtics are falling, and they're trending up. And they can continue that, you know, and, and don't have any injuries or COVID protocols they have to do that's going to affect their chances. They could really be in the playoffs hunt. They are. Watch out. If you don't want a two seed, I'm sure you don't want to play them first round because they're just an anomaly. You don't know what to expect. So, yeah. So, shout out to Bradley Bill, man. So, going back to the Bucks, let's talk about them again. Uh, like I said, Drew Holiday came back, and I've been saying this, you know, when I talked about them being, uh, you know, disappointing or, or faltering in the East when while Drew was out with COVID. And I was saying that, you know, they, he was the catalyst. I mean, clearly they got him in, in you know, in the offseason. They needed him. You know, to be that difference maker for defensively and, you know, driving the driving force on offense. So they got him back. And like I said in the beginning, he definitely affected the team as a whole. Like they just were invigorated by the fact that he was there. Like once he came back and he put his uniform on, they were like, okay, we good. Let's go play ball. Let's do this thing. You know, and I think that um as he works his way back, you know, hopefully that didn't this COVID, you know, doesn't affect his long term health. You know, and he can play at a at a really high level. Because I mean, I've I've heard people say football players and basketball players alike, like it takes a good while sometimes for you to really get back to feeling like yourself. That you don't really feel, you know, morbidly sick, but you just don't feel like yourself. Like you go through bouts where you feel fatigued, and you know, you just don't feel like you know you're here. You don't know where you're coming or going. You know, talk. Listen to Brandon Marshall. You know, he had it in December, and he just said he's just getting back. And it's March. He's just getting back to feeling like himself. You know, now granted, he's not playing anymore, but he's an he was an athlete. You know, so I mean, it really just affects everybody differently, and you, we just have to uh, monitor that. But his presence alone is definitely to me changing the culture in in uh, Milwaukee. So for the Bucks, so I think that you know he he's definitely going to be uh, a good. Uh, familiar and bright face that's going to help this team win basketball games. And the healthier he is and the better he plays, the more deadly they're going to be. And I'm really, you know, chomping at the bit to see when they come off this all-star break, when they start to play good teams, how they're going to fare against the 76ers and the, and the Nets especially. Because, I mean, outside of them two teams, I'm not really 
digging where the East is sitting at right now. Because I mean, like I said, the Celtics are faltering, the Pacers are where fools go with, in my opinion. You know, they're starting to falter. You know, who knows what the Wizards are going to do and, you know, teams are like that. And, I mean, let's just put it into perspective. The Knicks are the four seed right now. <laughs> so, I mean, and nobody called that. Now, granted, the Knicks are playing well. Shout out to Julius Randle, former Laker. He's playing good ball. But the Knicks are the four seed right now. So we just know how much, you know, of stock we can put in the East and their mid to bottom tier team playoff team. So, you know, let's just not get crazy. That's why I say I feel like the Wizards have a shot because it's very they're very top heavy in the East. You got four, three to four good teams, and everybody's just the rest right now. So I don't know if they'll people start to change that narrative, but I think that that's the problem. You know, like I said, you're talking about it being a three-team race. The Nets, the 76ers, and the Bucks. Outside of that, I'm, I, the way they're playing at this moment in time, we saw the playoffs right now, I don't feel like they none of, nobody else can beat them. They would just have to beat each other and they have a right to go to the title game. So, yeah, I think Drew definitely is a difference maker. And I just hope that he comes back and come back full strength from COVID and they can start to train up. You know, I think that will definitely boost the, their ability. Because, I, you know, I said this before in sports talking and podcasts before that, I feel like they got Drew for the mere fact they had shooters, they had Middleton and a few others. They had shooters, but they needed that 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 one, you know, two-way guy that can, you know, help Giannis, you know, take the pressure off Giannis because he's not going to be able to be that guy that can, you know, be an offensively dominant person, you know, for four quarters. You know, because he shoot free throw shooting is, you know, although he's doing okay in the last five games. Traditionally, shoot the free throw shooting isn't great. So his last four minutes of the game, he's kind of a liability. If you can't, if you can't get the rim, he's kind of a liability. He doesn't shoot well consistently from the outside. So you need Drew. <laughs> Let's just be real. You need Drew. But if Drew's in the lineup, and based upon what I saw in the last couple of games they played, you know, um, leading up to Drew getting Drew back, if they can build on this success, they could be they could be dangerous. They could be definitely dangerous. I think they can challenge. The, the Nets and uh, the 76ers for, for supremacy in the East. I really think they can. So we just have to keep monitoring it. So we're going to float out to the West and the team that have, it's another team that to me has potential, but they have, certain things have to break for them to be, uh, I guess you can say, for their, for their history to change, for their narrative to change, you know, for their fortune. That's a good word. Fortune to change when it comes down to uh, their uh, ability to go further in the playoffs. And that's the Portland Trailblazers. Now, I, wa- I literally watched the Trailblazers. I mean, clearly, every, every Lakers game I can catch and watch full length, I do. So I watched them play against us Friday, you know, and I, I marveled at the fact that how they hung in in the first half without Nurkic, without CJ McCullough. And it made me wonder, because I'm clearly we don't have AD either. We just got Dennis back that game. You know, so it's, you know, it's different. But the fact that they can hang in and their role players do what they do, Carmelo, Gary Trent, you know, those guys, you know, even uh, Enos Cancer filling in for Nurkic. They, their team is kind of dangerous if they can stay healthy. That, but that's a big if because it seems as if, they, you know, Dame has a little bit of knickknacks here and there. He gets injured, you know, in certain spots, you know, key spots. You know, CJ McCullough's now hurt. You know, Nurkic stay hurt. So, but if they can find a way, you know, to hold to into the middle of the pack until they get everybody healthy and make a run, we could be talking about, you know, them fighting for that, four or above seed and that's i feel like the sky's the limit because i mean if you just look at the production cj's a baller cj's a baller clearly dame is playing out of his mind mvp candidate you know Nurkic is, is definitely a dominant big man carmelo coming off the bench in his role you know he's a spark plug off the bench kind of like what kyle kuzma is for the lakers a little bit you know uh, you know but um 
you know, I mean, I'm not going to compare Carmelo to Kyle Kuzma, obviously. You know, I think, you know, Marlo's more of an accomplished scorer. But, you know, when you talk about energy guy, he's an energy guy. That's that's the comparison I'm making about being an energy guy. So with a full strength roster, Portland can make some noise in my opinion. But it's a big if because they can't seem to never piece together. Like, it's always something. Like, yeah, we play together for about five games and all oh, now Dame sprained the ankle or – now Nurkic is hurt again, you know, oh, CJ is, you know, something, you know, it's just, it's something about the team always. It's the reason why I feel like this hampered them down the stretch. Because even in a series against us in the, in the playoffs last year, you know, Dame ended up getting hurt in the middle of the, middle of the uh, series. So that affected the series. I mean, I understand they would have won if he was healthy, but I'm just saying that it still affected it. You know, so that, that particular aspect you have to monitor and it just doesn't seem to never break right for them. But if it does break right, remember I said it. If it does break right, then they are dangerous. <laughs> They're seriously dangerous because those three guys being healthy especially matters for their production. I think if they can feed off each other, they're dangerous. And I think, you know, they can knock off anybody, you know, including the Lakers. You know, I'm not going to act like we were invincible, you know. So it's scary. You know, I feel like them and the Bucks are definitely trending up. And if things break right for them, you know they could they we could they could make a deeper run than people predict. So watch out for Portland Trailblazers as well. Let's talk about Zion. Let's talk about Zion Williamson, ladies and gentlemen. Zion Williamson is playing out of his mind. Now, I talked about him briefly when he played against the uh, the Jazz last night. Zion Williamson is playing out of his mind, and to be so young, you know, and I and I and I and I I give a shout out to Luca. Jason Tatum, Zion, you know, you know, Devin Booker, all these kids that are, you know, are less than 25 years of age and playing like all world MVP type players, you know, and to be, I mean, just to be so young, you know, I mean, we're talking, you know, 24 and less, you know, of age, you know, because we talk about we not even you're not even peeking at your prime at this moment. They're playing out of their mind. So imagine what their potential can be. And Zion is, is, is definitely indicative of, of that particular ideology because he he's he's elevating his game. It's almost like every it's not even every game, it's mid-game. Like he his in-game adjustments, you know, it's almost like a football game. You know, first half I play one way, second half I make these adjustments and I start to play better. You know, and he's done this consecutively in over the past, you know, eight to ten games, and you just see him ascend and get better and better you know his points are up his rebounds are up even his assistant is you know his blocks and steals are up so i'm thinking you know what can this guy accomplish if he stays healthy you know of course there are you know issues and concerns about his weight and his size and you know can he maintain that high level collision that he you know that he creates on over a long stretch and long span of a career because i mean he's just a second year for real you know, but if he can, you know, and we're talking about him shooting free throws at a good clip as well. You know, it's, you know, it's scary. It's scary. But I will say this as I d get deeper into, you know, dissecting Zion, the league is in really good hands. I tell you, because these young guys are going to be around for a good long time. And if this is the future, you know, once as, you know, the older statesmen, elder statesmen start to phase out, the, the league is in definitely good hands. But in Zion's case, you know, he, he can take that Pelican team a lot of places, and and not and just based upon his performance alone, just against the number one team, the Jazz, you know, last night was impressive. You know, going against Gobert, who's, you know, you know, inches taller, 
you know, long ring span, you know, one of the best shot blockers in the league. You know, just to see him make the in-game adjustment about going at Gobert's body, you know, versus trying to go directly at him and getting his shot blockers. Gobert had five blocks in the game, but it didn't deter Zion. And that's in, the, in his grit and his determination and alone, you know, is 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 one of a kind. So, and again, this kid is a second year in the league. You know, he's since early twenties. I mean, you know, I just it's just amazing. You know, he's averaging twenty eight points a game, eight point six rebounds over this stretch. You know, so the question is, how good can Zion be? And I think it's, it's sky's the limit. You know, he can be a more more deeply and more well refined Charles Barkley. You know, with, with better defense. You know, he can be you know Charles two point you know, it's just a question of whether or not he can, you know, make, make good on, you know, some, some titles. You know, I think they need a, a couple more pieces with this Pelicans team, you know, to help him out. But, you know, but I mean, Lonzo's playing better. You know, B.I.'s playing good. You know, <laughs> J.J. Redick is, is is coming off the bench, you know, knocking down threes at a good clip. So they could be a scary team as well in the playoffs. I think they will – they might not beat a team in the first round, but they can definitely – give you a, you know, five to six, maybe seven game series where you're going to have to earn it, you know? And like I said, and if he's going to continue this uptick where he's going to get better practically every game or half a game, what is he going to look like at the end of the season? I mean, forget 10 years down the line or five years down the line. What is he going to look like at the end of the season? You know, clearly an all-star this year. I mean, this kid is, is, is definitely amazing, man. Definitely amazing. So, Scott's living for this gentleman. I really feel like that he's going to be good for a good long while, and I'm I'm here for it. I'm definitely here for it. So, uh, in a bit of somber news, uh, and I was talking about the Hawks, you know, roster in a bit, you know, in those sports talks. If you haven't listened to that, check that out. But the Hawks fired their coach uh, last night or, you know, yesterday at some point. You know, who knows exactly when they did it, but it, the news broke late uh Monday night at the Hawks fired a coach. Now, you know, I, 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 I struggle with the idea of firing coaches midseason in any sport because I don't think, especially if you feel like this team has potential and, they, and you need somebody else to come in to help you fulfill that potential, you know, what does that do for the culture in a locker room? Because you get comfortable with a certain person in a certain way of doing things and you just totally uproot that by firing them. Now, I, I'm, not, I'm not going to act like the, the Hawks weren't underachieving because they were, and I was upset about it because their roster is on paper looks great. You know, you know, it's, you know, going from, the, you know, younger guys like Cam Reddish, you know, then you got Clint Capello on his roster, Trey Young. You know, I mean, <laughs> let, let's just break this down. The shooting alone on his team, like, it is, it's, it's, it's crazy to think about. You know, and I say because Trey Young is a limited range and, and consistent outside shooter. You know, even being an undersized guard, he's he's amazing. He's amazing. You know, and I think Cam Reddish was a, is a good, really good prospect off the bench coming out of uh, Duke. You know, that was a good pickup for them. You know, when they got him, and I just didn't, I just didn't understand. You know what? You know what was happening with the team? Why they weren't winning games? You know, I mean, again, they like the Titans to me. They on paper they look good. Paper they look good, but they just weren't delivering. You know that was the issue. That was a serious issue. You know I'm like why why I'm mean, I'm just questioning why. You know they got Bogdan Bogdanovich. You know he's a deadly shooter. You know I say Clinton Pellas a walking double double. Gallinario. You know he's a shooter. You know Ray John Rondo with his veteran leadership and his point guard skills. Like you know he should be able to take the heat off Trey and allow for him to make plays. You know this roster is is good. It's good, but I just don't understand why, you know. So they fired their coach, you know. Um, 
you know, they, I think they made a, was it Lloyd Pierce is his name. And they made Nate McMillan the interim because he was assistant coach. He's the interim coach now. So it is weird because I, I didn't think Nate, should, Nate got a fair shake in his last gig. I feel like they fired him too soon. So I'm clear. I'm cl- I'm curious to see what this roster does. But I'm, I've just never been a fan of firing a coach in midseason because I really don't feel like it's going to get any better. Like you just should let him ride it out, you know, go in a different direction next season and just rebuild the culture from there. But I'm curious to see what this team does. Now, if they trend up and they start playing better, then I mean, I, clearly I was wrong. But I just don't think you know you gain a whole lot of traction with the idea of firing in midseason. I, I understand it, you know, because they were underachieving. This roster should have been going places, and they should be in a playoff hunt, and they're not doing it. They're not doing it. So, you know, I, I get it, but I don't get it. You know, like I said, I always toy with the idea of them, you know, firing coaches in midseason. So, yeah, yeah. So it is that is what it is. So, yeah, so as we uh, get into the All-Star break, we're coming up with All-Star break this weekend, and uh, we got a few games this week. I think the games start playing around Wednesday and Thursday. And then the All-Star, you know, break, and then there be a much-needed rest for a lot of players um, coming up here in the uh, next few days. But um, my first half takeaways from the NBA season so far, I mean, I've, I've clearly been uh, a proponent of saying that they rushed it back too soon. It was going to cause issues. COVID is out here rampant. There's going to be a lot of issues with that, as we've seen. You know, but I think that, you know, the season has been entertaining, you know, but I still feel like, you know, it's definitely, you know, a rushed, you know, speed, you know, warp, you know, warp, ludicrous speed type of, you know, race to the finish line trying to get these games in. And it's, and, and it's definitely taken away from the idea of strategizing, practicing, gelling and building team defense because there's been a lot of offense going on in the, in the league but they don't want a lot of defense being played you know a lot of teams are just shooting it out with people and made the best man win who's ever shooting well at night and you know that's good for ticket sales i guess or ratings because nobody's in the stands for real but you know i just i like to see balanced basketball and it's not really happening right now so that's my biggest takeaway from the fact that it's the rush the covid and the back-to-back games like every other night you're playing is really affecting, you know, people's ability to, uh, you know, be cerebral when it comes down to playing basketball. So, but I mean, overall, you know, top to bottom, I think, you know, it's, uh, I guess you can say that, you know, on top of the expedited schedule, the Nets, to me, in my in my takeaways, were they were better than I expected them to be once they made the trade for James Harden. I definitely give them credit for that. And they've been definitely beating teams with two of the three or one of the three stars or you know, playing in, on a night-to-night basis. Like I've, I think we may have seen two games as a whole with all three of them being on the court. Like you know, it's the Kyrie took his sabbatical, then you know, KD took his injury time. You know, to be all. I don't think one person has played consistently every night is James, and he's playing lights out basketball. He's playing lights out basketball. Like you know, it, it's be wild. And 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 I say I'm gonna say this with um with bias, you know, because. I feel like James Harden's playing at an MVP level, you know, as, as much as he's been playing in the last four to five years. But my knock on it is that if he's if he's a really a, in consideration for it being an MVP candidate, right, outside of Embiid and, and Joker and Devin and Donovan and LeBron and Steph, you know, if he's considered he's a, he's a top-end contender for the MVP, you you got to give him the same, you know, knock or slight because he playing with three perennial all-stars 
two, well, three total, but two other perennial all stars because that was a knock on LeBron. You know, averaging you know twenty five and eight, or you know, even averaging the double double, he was like twenty five and ten assists a, a game last year. You know, and won a Finals MVP. But regardless, you know, you got you have to give the same, give them that same energy. Like you don't give James, you know, LeBron energy that he's had AD. You got to say he got Kyrie and KD. So I'm just saying, but I mean, but I'm not gonna take away the way James playing because he's playing every night and he's putting up big numbers. He's leading his team. He's the point guard. He's letting Kyrie play off the ball, and then whenever KD comes back off his leg injury, he's gonna you know be that outside threat as well. So they they're definitely much better than I expected. Now in in a downturn of, uh, I guess you can say teams that I expected to be good and they're not. The Heat, I talked about them earlier. You know how they are the same team to me, and they were played in a bubble a few months ago. The Mavs are inconsistent. You know, Luca's playing really well, but nobody else is consistently. He's the only person that's united and out. You can count on to be a driving force and and be a good offensive producer. They're struggling. The Nuggets are struggling. You know, I'm not sure. I mean, yeah, yeah, you, you know, Joker's playing good. You know, but Jamal's being inconsistent. They're you know, up and down, winning and losing. They're playing really insistent ball, you know. And if you look at it, the Nuggets, the Mavs, the Heat, all of them struggling, and they all made decent, the deep playoff runs. And again, that's to me the fatigue factor of the of COVID protocols, contact tracing, rushing back, playing every other night, and making a deep playoff run. You had that time to rest your body, young or old. To me, it's taking on an effect. And I feel like as well, because you don't have that cerebral uh, time that, you know, just uh, that brain trust and that time to say that I'm going to sit down and try to figure out what we can do better as a team because we won't have practice as much. We won't have time to, you know, you know, get on film study and you know, get on the board and say how we're going to change things because we're just playing every other night or we're traveling in between. You know, it's just not allowing them to be to build, especially for them being young teams allowing them to build it and, and be better basketball players as a whole. You know, we're just out here playing like we college. Like we we play, we, we we don't practice, we just play every other night, you know, kind of deal. You know, because even college don't really do that anymore. But, you know, they just, they're just out here like a rec league team. They just, you know, they just show up and play, <laughs> you know. So they don't have that, they don't have that time to, to build on what they had the success of last year. That's the problem. And the weird part about it is the Lakers are, you know, holding on. You know, despite the, being in the same boat as the Heat and the Mavs and the Nuggets as well, because you know, yeah, we're missing AD, but prior to that, we were still you know pretty pretty solid as far as winning games since that you know and all that good jazz. But you know, it's uh, it's weird because you know it's just a matter of again, like I said, we always give people everybody's best shot, but we're you know doing better than those teams, and I just think that has a lot to do with the veteran leadership on the team. Versus having a really, really, really young team that hadn't been together that long, and and pretty much the people that are older didn't have a whole lot of success. So, but yeah, so I mean, we're holding on, and we're hopefully we'll keep you know things on the uptick until AD comes back. He's still on track to be back from his injury soon, so in the next you know two or three weeks, hopefully. So we'll try to hold on to then. This All Star break is definitely a much needed break. You know, we definitely need that resting for our, uh, resting our bodies for one and two, give AD time to heal up and um, you know get this All Star break done and rest up for that week until we come back and play. Uh, I think on the twelfth. So, yeah. So my last takeaway from it is that um, looking at the Seventy Sixers, the Suns, the Jazz, you know, who teams are playing really well, um, and being a very young team. You know, I think the Seventy Six is probably the older of the three 
you know, but they're still young. I mean, Ben Simmons and Embiid still young. You know, uh, Devin Booker and those boys outside of Chris Paul are still very young. Donovan Mitchell and their boys outside of Rudy Gobert are very young. And, you know, Rudy's not old, old. So I, I'm thinking, you know, these three teams, as I talked about before, is that, you know, the leagues should be in good hands because as these teams, uh, you know, work more together and they and they get more experience with each other, their future is bright. I really feel like those three teams should be good for a while. As long as they stay together, they can add the pieces they need to add and get better and refine their games and, and make better and play better team basketball. They're, the sky's the limit and the future's bright. I'm loving it, man. I'm loving it. So those are my takeaways from the first half of the season. So as we uh, wrap up the NBA segment, we'll talk about a couple of players that we've underscored already in a few segments. We'll talk about Bradley Bill and Zion <laughs> playing out of their minds right now. Like, it's just crazy. And over the last 10 games, the Bradley Bill is averaging uh, 33.2 33, 33 points a game and a 73 record. And Zion is averaging 28 points and uh, 8.6 uh, rebounds a game and his uptick from his league average. So, yeah, man, I, I feel like, you know, that's definitely good news for both teams who are kind of on the fringe and their they're up, they're uptick in play is allowing them to win more basketball games, obviously. And I feel like in both conferences, they can definitely make noise and be a playoff teams if they keep playing as well. So, shout out to Bradley Bill and shout out to Zion Williamson, man. So, in a bit of sad news, you know, not you know, not morbidly sad, but a bit of sad news for the Raptors in contact tracing when it comes to COVID. You know, they had a big outbreak, um, and, and I'm sure the Toronto government is shaking their head and and saying, "I told you so." But they had a big rash of COVID, you know, contact tracing in their locker room, coaches, the whole coaching staff, practically, and then they end up being close to some players. So they had to postpone a game on Sunday. So that was yet another game they had to postpone. How no, we don't know how long this is going to last. So they probably had like two games to play this week before the All Star break, and who knows they whether they're going to play those because you got to sit out a few week, you know, not a few day, a few weeks, but a few days in order to make sure you're clean and not, you know, you don't come down with it. So. Who knows? It might get them, end up getting like two or three games canceled. And then, you know, they know they banned from being in Toronto because, you know, the government was like, y'all can't come back here. We don't want y'all coming here spreading, you know, the virus. So, yeah. So, you know, unfortunately, that's, you know, it is what it is for, in that regard. But they uh, <laughs> hopefully they can get back, you know, because they were trying to, you know, trying to trend up and play some decent basketball. So hopefully they can, uh, if nothing else, take this time, take the all-star break to get, you know, get better and get healthy and and can uh, and play the back half of the season and play good ball. So, yeah. So that's going to wrap up the NBA segment. Let's move on to the NFL. So now let's talk to the NFL. <laughs> Man, when it smoke this fire. That's all I can say. There's two things that really stick out to me when it comes down to this dwindling quarterback carousel. Uh, when it comes down to Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson and even Dak Prescott. Because he's involved in this, you know, now. <laughs> And uh, man, what uh, what a mess! What a mess! And mainly talking about the Deshaun Watson situation. That's that's definitely a mess. But I'm gonna start with Russell. Now, clearly, you know Russell has, you know, expressed his opinion publicly now, and you know everybody, you know, that listening to watch Russell over the years, like he's the nice guy in the world. You know, very God fearing man. You know, good, very good family man, loves his kids, loves his wife. You know, go Hawks, very team oriented. He's the he's the team player. Like, he's a guy that you want, you know, he's always, you know, putting everybody above himself and it's about the organization, not just me. But here lately, 
you know, as he starts to get older, he's starting to understand and realize, you know, especially with, you know, things going on around him and people starting to be able to, you know, I hate to use the word, but I'm going to use it, dictate their future, you know, and dictate where they want to go and, and, and take control of their own destiny, their own future. He's starting to realize that I'm in that same boat. I need to start taking charge of what's going on with my future because I don't want to be Andrew Luck. I don't want to be Cam Newton where, you know, I've been beat, you know, beyond recognition and can't function anymore, can't play as long as I want to play and leave a lasting legacy because the team isn't protecting me. And that's the way he feels. That's just it. You know, he's expresses issues with the offense being, you know, uh, behind the curve. Let's let's put it that way. Um, so he definitely uh, wanted to change offensive coordinator. He kind of got that. He said they said they said he had a hand and he was okay and he signed off on the approval of having uh, the coordinator they have. You know, but it's still an issue with offensive line and they hadn't addressed it and they hadn't been addressing it. And he's saying, well, as long as we had an escape artist quarterback, we don't need an offensive line for real. You know, he got an aging Dwayne Brown, but I mean that's it. You know, Max Unger's been long gone. He hadn't, you know, since he's been gone, it's been in shambles. You know, and it was, in, it was even the worst day before Dwayne Brown got there. But again, he's only he's only protecting his blind side. What about his front and his middle? You know, and it doesn't look like they were rushing, you know, to quote unquote, you know, do anything about it. Like, you know, they are in, you know, they are in a kind of a, you know, die, I won't say die streets, but they're not in the best cap. Uh, you know, situation, you know, so that wasn't, he couldn't make it a splash in free agency because it's a good, it's some good veteran old lineman out there now. Let's, let's, let's not, uh, let's not lose that fact. You know, you Brandon Scherf, Trent Williams, you know, Corey Lindsley, you know, those guys, you know, it's a lot of them. Taylor Moton, you know, from Carolina. It's a lot of good numbers. It's a lot of good people out there. A lot of good people. But again, you know, with, you know, quote unquote, fourteen million dollars in cap, and you didn't pay rookies either. They don't have a first round pick, obviously. They they spent all that capital, first round capital on Jamal Adams, and they got to pay him. That's nothing. You got to pay Jamal. You know, Jamal needs money, so it's like you know, you the idea of them spending heavy money on the offensive lineman when they need more than one, and they can't draft a, a top end one because they had a first round pick. Russell's like, man, I don't know what y'all gonna do, but y'all gotta figure out something. You know, y'all can figure out something, you know, or I want to, I want to go somewhere that way. I feel like I'm going to be in a better situation and I can, you know, go places and do things and be heard and be respected enough to say that, you know, my opinion matters. You know, that's the biggest problem for him, you know, on top of the fact that he's not being protected like way he needs to be, you know, so I think that's his biggest problem. He wants to take control of his career and I'm not mad at him. I'm not mad at him or Deshaun or Dak for betting on themselves and want to protect themselves and having a long lasting career and being able to play into the late 30s and 40s if they so desire, if they can stay upright. You know, that's the biggest thing. You got to be able to stay upright. And they just haven't been able to, uh, you know, get the protection that they need or get the get the pay they need. Or, you know, the team is just a complete and total disaster. And I don't want to be here because I waste my prime years on this team where they're not going anywhere. You know? So I think the biggest problem for us is that Y- y'all aren't having the sense of urgency that I need you to do in the season of the moment, you know, and living up in the Pacific Northwest, you know, that's not helping either. You know, it's, you know, outside of Grey's Anatomy, there's not much going on in Seattle. It's, you know, there's a lot of Starbucks and, and rainy days. So yeah, man, you know, I think that's the issue, you know, but the question is what, what are the Seahawks going to do about it? You know, they, they've been basically taking all this uh, criticism about what Russ has been saying in multiple, you know, media outlets and things of that nature. And, 
hadn't changed. You know, he's even going to the stream of saying that he doesn't want to be traded. But if I did get traded, because I have no trade clause. So if I if you did try to broker a deal for me, these are the four teams I want to go to. Dallas, Chicago, Vegas, and New Orleans. Now, New Orleans to me is out of the picture. And we'll talk about Drew Brees soon um, about his uh, shadiness. I'm, I'm not going to call it shadiness, but his 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 mystique, his the mysterious workout that he's been doing. Talk about him in a minute. But you know, I think that out of those other teams that were named, I mean, we only really looking at. Maybe the Cowboys, they got, you know, they got a decent amount of money, you know, um, they haven't paid Dak yet, obviously, but the Bears got, they're over the cap slightly, you know, the Raiders over the cap, 14 million at the moment. So, you know, Chicago, you know, they're, um, they're, they're Chicago's a million under, the Raiders are 14 under, we're not going to talk about the Saints, the Saints are just ugh, 70 million over. 60-ish, 70 million over, you know, and was who was the last team? Uh, the Cowboys. I, I said about the Cowboys. Cowboys are $20 million, you know, so the Cowboys are probably in the best position to get him, you know, but they're going to have to give up a lot to, to trade him, obviously. You know, they're just not going to trade him for peanuts so because they don't have to, obviously, and he claims he wants to stay. So <laughs> it is the question. You know, I mean, he they're in a better O-line situation. They can stay healthy in Dallas than they are in Seattle, obviously, with the same similar weapons offensively. The defense is atrocious. If you had to pick defenses, I'd say Seattle's defense over Dallas, which isn't saying much, but I think Dallas' defense is completely atrocious. And if they had to give up, you know, first round capital for them, they can't draft defensive players either. And they spend the money on uh, Russ in, the, in his contract. Uh, they're pretty much looking at it like, you know, we're not going to make a whole lot of splash in the free agency either for defensive help. So I don't know. It's kind of rough regardless, but I'm not sure. I'm, I'm just curious what's on Dak's mind. I mean, excuse me, what's on Russell's mind? What's on Dax's mind as well, but, you know, because I'm not sure how he feels about this uh, rumor that he wants to come there. And if he comes there, clearly he's out. But he can still name his price elsewhere to people that need quarterbacks. I mean, because he's still got teams out there that got decent money and they can spend it on you. Um, and they could, you know, give you exactly what you need and what you deserve, quote unquote. So, you know, Dak is not in a bad situation. But if he wants to stay in Dallas, then that does a monkey wrench in it if, if they run to get Russell. Because, I mean, if you had to weigh production, clearly Russell's the better quarterback. So. So yeah, man, I, I'm just I'm 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 for them taking control of their career and dictating where they want to go and and, and and allowing them to be able to submit their own legacy. I'm all for that. I'm all for that. I'm just curious about how this is going to play out, you know, because you know I don't the it hasn't reached fever pitch for me in Seattle clearly, and I think they're still salvageable there, but that's totally different, totally polar opposite of what's going on in Houston. Houston, Houston, not even taking calls. For trades for for Deshaun, this man has walked into your office face to face. You know, I I'm assuming it was a face to face meeting because clearly he had a meeting with the head coach, their new head coach. And he finally told him that I'm never, I would never wear Houston uh, Texans jersey again in life. Right then and there, that should tell you that we have to make a move. We have to make a move. You you can't try to stranglehold a quarterback who clearly does not want to play with you. And you clean the house. J.J. Watt walked out the door. He's with a new team now. You know, you traded John Drew Hogman's way for peanuts. You let Nick Martin go to center. He's gone. Let a running back go, Duke Johnson. Will Fuller will be back. He's going to land in free agency. There's nothing left. There, there, there's so much of an obvious play here for the Texans. 
And I said this before and I said it again. And now we're getting public and, and media, uh, TV media people saying this as well. I said this a while ago that Deshaun is at his height of his trade value right now. If, if you can get a ransom for Matthew Stafford, you can get a King's ransom for Deshaun. So you can name your price. And Carolina's out here counting money. Like, what, how much you need, bro? <laughs> really, how much you need? You need three first-round picks? Got it. You need Teddy Bridgewater as a bridge quarterback? Got it. You need Christian McCaffrey as running back because you love to do Johnson go? Got it. Whatever you need, bro. Brian Burns, you need a pass rusher? Could replace J.J. White at younger, younger, cheaper price? Got it. Whatever you need, bro. I got you. <laughs> Whatever you need. And they're not willing to even entertain it. They... It was it's so bad that we know about the Carolina offers because they had to put it on the public because they weren't accepting phone calls. They were leaving voicemails on what they had wanted to offer, and multiple teams had to do this because Kyle McNair would pick up the damn phone. Like, how idiotic are you at this point? Like, you're you're fast tracking yourself to being the worst run organization in the whole entire NFL of of one simple stubborn call. And I said this before and I said it again. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm also now seeing more people coming out and saying this is that the longer you wait, the worse it's going to get. I said this before. I said it in pocket, a few pockets ago. The, the longer you wait, the worse it's going to be for you. Because when people start, the free agency starts and then people start picking quarterbacks, you're going to lose out on those teams. And then when people, when the draft starts and finishes and you get people drafting quarterbacks, you lose out on them as well. So now you're going to get pennies on a dollar because, and you got to start with something at this point because clearly Deshaun wasn't done the way to play ball for y'all. Trade him now. Trade him now. now you, even, you even got people in, well-renowned people in, the, in local media saying this now, and you're still not listening. Trade him now. Trade him now and rebuild your franchise. It's the, it's the most smartest business move. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's just weird to me. It, again, this is what this is one of those things where it, your business shouldn't always be handed over to your children. They're not ready because, you know, I understand that, you know, you know, the dad is gone and, you know, the son is running it now. But, you know, it's almost like the bus family, like the Lakers were in shambles for a good few years because the brother was involved and he was making totally and completely disgusting choices, you know, from a team standpoint. You're running people off. You're getting people that you don't. We don't need you. You're giving contracts that we're still paying for to this day. You know. You know. So Jenny basically had to buy it out, buy him out, and get him out of there when Doctor Bus passed, just to be able to get the organization back on track. And he hired. She hired the right people, and bring and, and brought back back Magic again. Brought Robin. Now the team. Now we win the championships. <laughs> Somebody got to step in and just say you got to you got to do something. Cause if you're just leaving it up to Kyle, clearly he's just going to let the sip shink and, and we're, they're going to be horrible for years upon years and they're never going to recover from it. Cause the time is now you got to make a move. Like you, you can get, a, you can go out there and get you, you can go out there and get you a bridge quarterback and a future quarterback because the draft right now, the last year's draft was strong for quarterbacks. This year's draft is strong for quarterbacks. The next couple of years. Eh. So if you wait and end up going 0 16, which you'll probably end up doing because Deshaun's not going to play ball and you ain't got nobody else out there. You know, you will have a first round pick, but guess what? The quarterback class isn't as good as the past two. So you're gonna end up with a guy that just eh, is okay. You know, so you can get yourself a future franchise quarterback, get yourself good players and a bridge quarterback. All for just trading the shot. And everybody's happy. But you don't want to play ball. Idiotic. Idiotic. And again, 
Like I said, you're on the fast track of being the worst run organization in the league right now. And I see why Deshaun don't want to play. I get it. I completely get it. Completely support him. Completely support him. So we're gonna talk about more we're talk about more quarterback drama. <laughs> you know. You know, like I said, we talked about Dak and his situation now. It's really just depending on what 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 Russell does. And that situation in Dallas, I don't know. I really feel like they're gonna franchise tag him. That's my take. I feel like they're gonna franchise tag him again and he's gonna walk in your free agency next year. You know, because I refuse to believe they're gonna pay them forty million dollars in the transition tag in the in the third year to try to hold on again for another year, to hoping that he'll take less money. Because that's what the issue is. Jerry's trying to play hardball, hoping that Dak will be like, all right, he'll get, get tired and be like, all right, I'll just take I'll take five million less a year, you know, to be the quarterback of your franchise for the next four to five. Because the problem is Jerry got bad contract remorse. You know, he's paid all these guys and hadn't produced to the level they've been paid. Zeke, Demarcus, Amari, Jalen. You know, they're not. I mean, Jalen to me, he, he's the best out of that bunch, but he's still not playing like, you know, he's not playing like Devin White. You know, he's just okay. You know, so that's that's the problem. He just got bad contract remorse, and he don't want to give the quarterback of all people another long contract, and hopefully it works out. You know, but that's his decision. He made that bid. He got a lie in it. So either you, you, either you pay Dak, you trade for us, or you hope that somebody uh, work noteworthy quarterback is good in the draft to pick you're picking at. Hoping you're crossing your fingers, hoping that whatever the Jets do at number two, we'll talk about that in a minute. Whatever the Jets do at number two would be would allow you to make the draft shift and allow you to pick up a quarterback. But that's if and the fifth. So we'll see how that shakes out. So uh, now, 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 let's talk about uh, Big Ben. So Big Ben is holding the Steelers hostage. He's holding the Steelers hostage in the sense that he wants to come back for another year. Why? I don't know. Why? I don't know. He wants to come back and play football for the Steelers again. At what number? I'm not sure. Now, let's just lay it all on the line with all the what, what the facts are. Let's lay it all on the line. Ben said that I want to come back. I'm owed 40 million against the cap. I know that's highly detrimental to the Steelers right now because that cap number is is rough. You know, it's really rough. It's 15 million under over right now. So he wants to come back, and he said he'll renegotiate and do his best to help out the team, but. At what level? Because he can't, he can't, you can't offer him a rookie deal, you know, because he'll feel like they're disrespectful. You know, if you cut it in half, make him 20 instead of 40, eh, you know, maybe, you know, that'll, that'll at least get you out of the hole. But you still don't have enough money to sign anybody else. You're losing Juju, you're losing Bud, you know, anybody, and anybody you want to go through and go after in free agency, you lose out on them. You need a running back. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm trending that Najee Harris goes there. But again, your old lives are shambles. The only person you got left is the cash because Villa Waver hit for agency and pounds to retire. So why not retire? Let them recoup most of that 40 million and figure out their next path to uh prominence. You know, let Tom and those boys figure out what their next move is, who their next quarterback is. You know, uh, and they can maybe they can go out and get Sam Darnold from the Jets. We'll talk about that in a minute. You know, you know, and he'll be the, you know, franchise quarterback, you know, because he's still he's looking for another chance to, to revitalize his career, whether it be in New York or be somewhere else. So he has a chance he can go somewhere like that. You know, but you know, I just don't understand his his rhyme or reason. Like, 
you can't sit here and think that you're one you're one play away or one player away or one moment away from being in the Super Bowl. You can't think that. Now, based upon how you how much of a fool's gold you gave us in the season last year, you know, very pretender, not not contender at all, and you're losing people. On top of that, but you coming back, you're you're almost guaranteed to lose the people that you probably need. Bud Dupree, Juju Smith-Schuster, you need those guys. Ain't gonna be able to resign them. You nope. You have no center. Pouncey's gone. You know, the way he's gonna walk out the door of free agency because you can't pay him. And I'm sure some people out there with money gonna pay you a good left tackle. All the guys to Castro. And how you gonna rebuild that line with no money? How you gonna do that? So. I really feel like he's holding him hostage, and for what? I, I don't. I don't get what the what your end game is. I really don't get what the end game is for Ben. I don't understand what his issue is about wanting to come back, because you look like an old man. I mean, your production. I mean, you literally need to, need to look at your your film for the last sixteen games and look at yourself and realize that you're not the Ben of 10, 15 years ago. You know, you're just. I would just say ten. You're not even the Ben of ten years ago. You're not that guy. You know, you're not going to forty years old. You're not it's just, it's time, bro. It's time. I just don't understand why you want to cripple the organization and yourself potentially by coming back and, and so, and for what, like what, what are you, what's your goals? What are you trying to accomplish? You just scared of your next chapter in your life. You don't want to move on from football. So you just going to keep trying to play as long as possible when you're not in the best shape at all and never have been. It's rough, man. It's rough. I really feel like he should do something different, you know? You know, there's a lot of guarantees that that contract is rough too, man. The Steelers did. I don't think they, I don't think they understood the ramifications of this contract, and how bad it was going to get at towards the end of his career. And knowing that he isn't Tom Brady, he isn't, you know, Russell Wilson, how much, how good they take care of their body. He's just out there doing whatever. And he's falling apart. He's falling apart. And without a good running game and a good online, I really don't feel like there's going to be much they can do, you know, and I feel like they might end up being, the third best team in, in in that division. So you come back for that, you know, cause I mean, you only got one more year guarantees. So they let you go after that and don't resign you, which should be the smart move as well. You, you can't make for nothing. I don't get it. I really don't get it. So in the same vein, you know, we were talking about Drew Brees. Now he's out here working out with his trainer and he's broadcasting this to, to the world as if he's not done when he needs to be. I didn't understand that one either. I really didn't get that. Why? Why are you teasing people like this? Like you, did you see this thing's cap? Did you see it? Did you know, did you realize how bad they off? And if you come back again, you know, at the price tag that you're under, you're going to bring it worse. Like, you know, like, no, 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 no. Nobody wants to see that. I love Drew. You know, I, I he was used to be a charger. I love Drew, but it's time. It's time. Don't don't toil away and tease people with this. I might come back business. Let them move forward, taste and hopefully James. Let them move forward because they got a lot a lot of rough decisions to make already, and they don't need you complicating their life further by trying to come back. They don't need it. They don't need it. It's not going to help anybody. Again, much like Big Ben, you're going to come back and probably make, take a step back from where you were last year in production because they're gonna have to make a lot of cuts a lot of these countries they got they're gonna have to they're gonna have to go move on from a trade or do something they'd be smart to try to trade some people you know to get something get some capital back that's a smart move you can't just already cut these guys because you not you don't get nothing back and you still got to take the cap hit 
So if you trade them and get draft capital or another player at a cheaper price, you can make you can kind of work your money that way. But if you don't, if you just outright cut these guys, you lose out on a player and you got a large amount of money that you just got dead on your books. So, you know, if you had to trade a Cam Jordan or trade a Michael Thomas, God forbid, because his contract is super high. You know, if you had to trade a big name like that, Marshawn Lattimore, get some get multiple draft picks and multiple players out of that deal to kind of backfill your roster and fill the holes that you're going to be missing because you got to move on from certain guys. So that's rough. That's definitely rough, you know, but Drew, don't complicate their lives even further because they got a lot to worry about. They're in the, the worst cap hell of the whole entire league. So don't complicate their lives anymore with all this drama and I'm fake coming back and I'm here running and jogging and pushing sleds. Come on, bro. It's time. It's time to give it up. You did a nice little swan song walk off. You had a nice little moment with Brady at, at the end of the game after you lost. Let that be it, man. Let us let us live and live with that memory. And we don't want to see us even a wor- worse shell of yourself next year. So please don't do it. Please Let's just end it that way. So, and a bit of bright news. <laughs> J.J. Watt is kind of kicking the tires and, and lighting the fire for free agency. Because uh, the news came out yesterday afternoon that he uh, brokered a deal to sign with the Arizona Cardinals. And it moved the shock pretty much everybody because nobody had the Cardinals on their radar. <laughs> like, like man. Like, I mean, when I feel like Deshaun Watson, not Deshaun Watson, but Deshaun, De- DeAndre Hopkins had all to do with this particular move. I really feel like he was the main one. He was the main one that had all everything to do with this move and getting brokering his deal and getting him over there. And he got paid a decent amount of money. I think he had 23 million guaranteed. I think it's 37 million over two years. So he got like a good 15 a year. Great deal. You know, good for good for good two years, put him in his mid thirties and you know, hey, you know, he definitely makes that defense scary. I'm I'm still concerned about what the offense is gonna be because uh, Queensbury still hasn't really hit his stride about producing that offense. And Kyler's still kinda on the fringe for me, you know, because they got the weapons. You know, they got a good running back, they got good wide receivers, got a good quarterback, just had to put it together. But a defense which would should allow them more possessions based upon the stoutness of, of this defense on paper. Like it's definitely looking good. You know, JJ on one end, Chandler on the other. You got, you know, those linebackers and Isaiah Simmons and 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 Buddha on the back end. Patrick Peterson hopefully comes back in one corner. They looking good, man. They looking good. I I I can't say enough. I'm almost you know giddy about the fact that this defense is gonna be top notch next year. I and mean, look out for that for fantasy. You know, on paper right now, that's a good fantasy defense. Just telling you. So they'll give their offense more possessions a game, and hopefully that would mean they can get more points on the ball because they look. Very, very bad towards the end of last year. It was rough. So, but shouts out to JJ Watt, man, for, for breaking the breaking the uh, bottle over the boat. And we're getting this free agency boat rolling. We got him in the water now. So, we're going to see who's going to be next. But, yeah. So, JJ's in the Cardinals, man. JJ's with the Cardinals. So, uh, as we get, you know, to towards the end of uh, this uh, NFL segment, we're going to talk about briefly who's – in stream cap hell and and touch on a key call a few key points that they can do that may help this situation. So as I spoke about, the Saints are in the worst cap hell of everybody. They're like sixty to seventy million dollars in the hole. The Eagles as well. They're like forty five to forty seven million dollars in the hole right now. And the Rams at thirty four million and the Chiefs at twenty one million in the hole. So uh, yeah, they're gonna have to make some life changing decisions. And that and that goes back to my original point about saying that if you got to move on from market names, try not to cut them if you if, if at all possible. 
you know, like take Eagles for instance, they got to cut, they got to get rid of uh, Zach Ertz, you know, somebody like that. Try to trade him for some type of, you know, mid round pick or something like that just to get something back from him and get a player. Because if you got to cut him and eat that dead money, you're already in the hole as it is. So this is, you know, it's not going to get you out with one guy. Saints got a lot of decisions to make. I'm assuming they're going to try to keep Kamara and Thomas as their future, but everybody else might be free game, man. You know, I feel like Marcus Williams going to walk out the door because they just don't have no money. You know, he's the young free safety they got. You know, I'm not sure what they're going to do with Michael Jenkins. He's older. You know, he got a decent contract. So they might have to move off of, you know, because the sexy, the sexy, uh, picks you know players on their team is Kamara and Thomas but I feel like they don't keep them because they just resigned them but you know those those that old line isn't is in, is in danger you know uh those tackles are in danger for sure you know they're the best ones you know Ruiz is young he's on a rookie deal uh, but uh, you know I feel like no those tackles are in danger you know and I feel like Mike Marshall Lattimore might be in danger you know Michael Jenkins might get outright cut you know <laughs> Trey Henderson's probably gonna hit free agency you know what's gonna happen with Sheldon Rankins? He might be he might be on a chopping block. So this team could look different. Demario Davis, you know, very good, very got good production out of him. But you know he's older. You know, so you might have to try to trade it for like a fifth round pick or something like that. Get something for him, and you know, not just take it, take a you know, take a hit on him. Eagles as well, man. They they said they traded Carson Wentz, so they in, they in deep debt. You know, they got a lot of these contracts. I feel like they're gonna they already let Deshaun go. I feel like they're gonna let Alshon go as well. They can probably do that. And then they can turn around and try to trade Zach Ertz. Um, keep Dallas Goddard as their number one tight end. Um, I'm not sure what they're going to do with Jalen Hurts. I mean, are they going to still draft the quarterback? Potentially because it's hot in the draft? Or, you know, are they going to try to rock with Jalen? Not sure. But that'll, that'll might play out in the draft. If they draft one and they may try to trade Jalen at, at the draft or something like that, they could try to do that. Because um, they might not want to tip their hand yet. If they trade Jalen now, do you automatically know they're going quarterback in draft? So... But again, that goes back to what the Jets are going to do. I'll talk about that in a minute about what they're going to do because they're handicapping a lot of people. But, you know, they have to make some type of moves. I mean, you know, they, I want to assume they're going to keep Derek Slade. They just resign him. You know, it's a big deal. I mean, Fletcher Cox might be on on, on, on the outs. I'm not sure. He got a big contract, too. You know, Lane, Lane Johnson, you know, he's got a decent contract, you know, from a lineman perspective. Uh, you know, Miles Sanders not making any money. So you keep the young guys that, that are good, that aren't making on rookie deals, not making a lot of money. But, you got to make some tough decisions about your Wiley veterans, man. got to make some tough decisions. But, you know, and the Chiefs, the Rams, let's start with this, go with the Rams, then we'll do the Chiefs. The Rams still got to make a few decisions as well. I mean, I, I'm not sure what they're going to do with Whitworth. Is he going to come back for another year? Or, you know, Jalen Rams is clearly getting paid. You can't do nothing with him for real. Uh, you know, and they were after that, outside of that, they really got a, young, got a lot of young guys. So I'm very curious about what they're going to do. You know, I, I, I'm just not sure. I'm really not sure what they're going to do because I think that, you know, Aaron Donald get paid, Jalen Rams get paid, but everybody else is just, you know, they're just system guys. You know, isn't that not a whole lot of sexy picks on the defense? They look good holistically, but you know, nobody's gonna pay for, you know, nobody gonna pay for uh, a, a slot corner that nobody really knows about. It's only really good in that system. So that's gonna be rough. I'm very curious about what they're gonna do because I have no clue about what's the obvious play. So I'm curious about that. The Chiefs as well. And I talk about how bad they look on defense personnel-wise, and they are up against the cap as it is. So what do they do? You know, I mean, do you trade Honey Badger? Because he's probably the one sexy guy, you know, sexy pick that is, is, you know, attractive to teams to say that, hey, I want to be able to get a good player and give you some draft capital or players back in return. 
you know, outside of that, I mean, it's not, I mean, him, because you know, they just paid Chris Jones hard to do. I mean, he could maybe try to trade Frank Clark, but he's not, he's not the notoriety, he don't have the notoriety of Chris Jones, so he might not get much for him, but he's a big contract, so that's, that's, that's tough. Outside of that, man, it's not much you can, you got on offense, I mean, and then you got your big guns on, on, on defense, you got your, you know, Tony Badger, but on, on offense, you got your big guns, you don't want to trade Hill, Kelsey, or Mahomes, obviously, you know, but Miko's on a rookie deal, so not that, probably, it might just outright cut Sammy Watkins, I think they might do that. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, I, that, that, that could be an obvious play and get them under cap and they'll figure out what they're going to do in the draft. But they definitely need help on defense, and now I'm not sure where they're going to find the money to do it. So yeah, so as we wrap it up, man, I want to talk about the Jets real quick because I'm really perturbed by the idea of what they're going to do with this number two pick because the obvious play is a quarterback, right? But again, like I talked about, you know, when it comes down to the Eagles, they don't want to tip their hand about taking a quarterback because if they trade Sam Donald now, a first or second round pick, they could, they automatically, you automatically know what they're going to do. So they don't, they, they've been real mysterious about this, you know, what they're going to do. But I feel like they're really handicapping because we know the Jags are going to take Trevor Lawrence. We know that. But what are they going to do? They're going to take a receiver and ride it, and ride it out with Sam Donald because they take Sam Donald, they're going to just assume that he's going to be the franchise quarterback. And I think that's the dilemma they're having. They're like, okay, if we if we we try to re, re, run it back with Sam Donald, we're going to have to extend him because we're not going to get a shot at another quarterback for the near future. That's going to be any good, you know, for real. You know, unless they're trying to be in a in the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes, but yet again, the Texans are not playing ball right now, so you kind of handicap with that as well. So, what do they do with this pick? My money is, you know, you run it back with Sam, but again, that's got to be a franchise guy. You got to be sure that he's going to be the guy, you know, based upon who the new OC is and how the office is going to shake out. You got to put weapons around him. So if you're going to run it back with Sam, two scenarios, you run it back with Sam and you make him your franchise and you put weapons around him. You, you trade that pick back down to the lower end of the first round or maybe mid second round, mid first round, get two, maybe two or three first round picks in the next two drafts. You go out and spend good money on free agency. Get them a couple of more series in free agency. You draft them a running back and draft them a receiver in the free agency. And I mean, in the draft, excuse me. And you just put all these bells and whistles around them to say that we got you. You go out and get them a tight end as well. Get them a good, reliable tight end, a couple of good receivers, a good running back. And with him and Denzel Mim, you say, hey, Sam, I got all this star power here. Make it happen, baby. That's the logical thing I'm thinking. You know, because are you sold on anybody besides Trevor Lawrence? You know, you know, Justin Fields, you know, Trey Lance, Zach Wilson. Are you sold on these guys above Sam? That's the dilemma as well. You know, so so if you trade back and let somebody else take a flyer on them guys and run with Sam, giving him another chance, guess what? You put all the weapons around him and say, hey, next two years, we should be a playoff team. We'll rebuild a defense with our money in free agency. You know, because we got they got a king, they got a, they got a king's ransom in, in free agency. It's, it's just ridiculous how much money they got. They got about seventy some million in, in cap space, so they can they can they can go out and go get whoever they want and pay top dollar. Get Shaq Berg, get Von Miller, you know, people like that to anchor their defense. Get some linebackers, some corners. You know, it's people out there to get. Go get Will Fuller in free agency. Go get Kenny Galladay or or uh, Chris Godwin or or Allen Robinson. You know, so they can. They can build, they got high draft picks and high capital in the cap space. So the sky's the limit. So just the question of, yes, I'm going to get Justin Fields. I'm going to get Trey Lance. I'm going to get Zach Wilson. And then we're going to trade Sam and get draft capital, maybe a second round pick to add to what we're going to build around Zach Wilson. But the problem too is that the division you're in, 
<laughs> because if Sam is in that division, you know, and he's more of a veteran, it might be better than driving a rookie because you got to deal with Belichick. You got to deal with Brian Flores. You got to deal with Sean McDermott. You're automatically looking at four and fighting your way above four in the division with a rookie quarterback. And do you really want that on your resume? And we know that the the, the, the Jets are not uh, patient when it comes down to keeping coaches long-term if you're not producing. You know, ask Todd Bowles. But that's a whole two-fold situation. But regardless, he didn't, need, he didn't last long. Adam Gates didn't last long. So they're not patient. So would you rather run? I think you'd rather run it back with Sam. Let Sam be the guy. Put the weapons around him. And let's produce with a more seasoned quarterback than a rookie. Because we're going to have some struggles. Especially with Belichick and the Flores. They're going to have some struggles. But Derby too, because they got the best team in the whole East, in my opinion. So I think I think they keep Sam, trade back, get weapons and free agency and the draft, and let's let's go to work. So I think that's what's going to happen, but we'll see. We'll keep track on it. We'll keep track on it. But that's going to wrap up the NFL segment, man. Stay tuned for Lakers Locker Room. It's Lockdown Davis Podcast. Back where Lakers locker room is locked on Davis podcast. I'm your host, Coach Defense. Man, what up and down week? <laughs> what up and down week for them Lakers, man? Uh, you know, it's it's hard out here for a pimp <laughs> when it comes down to it missing two of your big stars, man. You know, and it's very evident, you know, that we're a different team without Dennis Schroeder and Anthony Davis. Now, you know, we had that loss. I talked about it in last week's podcast, you know, right before, you know, we went live the next morning. We took a bad L to the uh, Wizards. You know, we went back and forth with them. Bradley Bill and Russell Westbrook gave us the business. And it just seems that any God-centric team we face without Dennis Schroeder is a problem. <laughs> it's definitely a problem, you know. And um, I, I think a, a fatigue contributed to it a little bit as well, on top of the fact not having a good, uh, steady, sturdy you know, guy running offense in the name of Dennis Schroeder being our point guard. You know, so if you look at it, you know, just the stars different between the Wizards game, you know, and later on in the week, which we'll get into, um, you know, is a big difference, you know, just talking about that. So, you know, going uh, forward, you know, starting with the beginning of the week, you know, we uh, lost to the Wizards, you know, in crazy fashion. Then uh, we get, we got to play the Jazz. We got the lucky draw playing the Jazz the very next game. And boy, they hit our head hard, quick, and in a hurry, man. They definitely rained threes from everywhere and just played like a number one team. You know, I mean, what can you say? You know, they definitely, you know, definitely beat us over the, you know, over a rock, you know, with their play. You know, and I knew we was up against it, you know, going in. I was just hoping that we would fight. You know, it was just rough, you know, and the, and the funny part about it was, was the role players and the three-point shooter was killing us. You know, he wasn't even, you know, Spider Mitchell, you know, and, and, and the top-end guys. It, they wasn't doing, you know, anything, you know, world-beating or great. They were just letting the, the other boys rain threes from everywhere. I felt like they were shooting for the pocket and they was making it, man. It was just crazy. I felt like they made, like, 
somewhere upwards of like 14 threes in the first half. I mean, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to fight that, you know, especially with our three point percentage not being a high right now, you know, it's, I mean, let's be real. We're not the best perimeter team defense, you know, from the three point line as it is, you know, we okay at times, but you know, we're not at the level of the Suns or the, you know, the Bucks or, you know, even like the Nets or, you know, anybody that shoot the, the three ball at a high clip, you know, even with Steph Curry and the, and the Warriors. So with the Blazers, you know, we not we don't shoot threes at that high of a clip. You know, we defend the three pretty well, but we don't shoot it very well. So and when they got the raining threes early enough, and I was like, oh, this is ugly early, but hey, man, you know, you got to take the good with the bad. You know, just just like I said, this schedule, I've talked about this, you know, briefly before. The schedule is just definitely hitting everybody hard. And anybody that's a veteran you know, and, and been in the playoffs the last few years, you know, that quick turnaround is hurting everybody, not just us. It's hurting everybody. And, that, you know, fatigue sets in. You know, you don't have this that energy, that best effort that you can put up forth every night. You need a couple of days off, you know. And I think that that little bit of a break between the Jazz and the Blazers game helped out, you know, um, getting uh, – getting some rest and getting Dennis back. You know, that was the biggest thing. And I think that invigorated and and, and uh, rejuvenated a lot of guys, you know, seeing him back in the lineup and how much he means to this team, you know. So he comes back playing the Blazers a Friday night, you know, after getting blitzed by the Jazz, you know, on Wednesday, you know. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it was a whole different team. Like, I just, you know, it, it, was, it was a little bit different. I'm going to say it that way. Like, the first quarter was different. Like, Dane went off. Game went off in the first quarter, and they just like, oh, well, we trying to work this back in. He hadn't been gone for a week trying to make sure he works his way back in the lineup and get his win back together. You know, Dane went off early and often in the first half, and then, you know, we got, you know, to looking at it um, from a standpoint that he was the main guy. You know, although I feel like Gary Trent Jr. is a little bit of our Achilles heel in some regards playing them. Like, he always seems to play well against us. I don't know why. Gary Trent always seemed to play well against us. And I'm like, where who's this guy? Where you got come from? You know, he don't play well like that against other teams, but he played well against that against us. So, you know, but Dane, you know, was, was shooting threes at high clip. He was getting his shots. You know, everything was falling. You know, and then some, something happened. Like, so they just turned it on, decided they were going to play better perimeter defense, especially when Dane, we're going to trap him alive, we're going to get the ball out of his hands and make other guys beat us, and, and they couldn't do it. You know, and then we started to get our offense going and started to get out on fast breaks, and, you know, you know, Dennis was affecting the play. Montrez had a great game. You know, so that was definitely the big difference in our play. Like, you know, it's almost like it's like Dennis is the keys to the car, man. Like, you know, you can't go nowhere without it, man. Just like, you know, everybody's, you know, you got good rims, you got good service system, you got good interior, you got great engine, you know. But, um, you know, without the keys, man, you know, it just seemed like we don't we don't run as well, you know. But, um, but yeah, man, it was definitely a difference, man. You know, like I said the second, third, and fourth quarter was way different than our last eight, nine quarters of basketball, you know, that was definitely a big difference. Once they started to realize that, you know, he was back and they was like, okay, we need to get the, back to doing what we do as far as playing defense and being good perimeter, a good perimeter defensive team. And that's what they did. They clamped down the, the, the wing and clamped down the, the, the perimeter. And we was like, all right, let's go to work. And that's what they did. That's what they did. And the Blazers didn't stand a chance. You know, I I talked about this before and I talked about it again. I said, I'm not sure what that Blazers team is going to look like when they get healthy, if they get healthy. You know, because I swear Nurkic is always hurt. You know, McCullough's hurt now. You know, Dame, he has his little knickknacks here and there. So if they can if they can fill the team for a long stretch, fully healthy, they could be a problem, honestly and truly. I, I think Nurkic is a factor. I think McCullough working off Dame is definitely a problem. You know, I think they'll be a problem for a lot of teams, but they just got to stay healthy, man. That was the biggest issue. That was the biggest issue, man, you know. But, um, you know, talking about the World Years as well, you know, we played them uh, Sunday night, you know, so uh, that was uh, – 
blitzing. You know, we didn't start slow that game. You know, we just knew we knew going in there to match up well against us. I, I feel like, you know, we played with confidence early. We didn't start slow. You know, that was the biggest difference. I like to see when we start fast and we can. A lot of people can't keep up with us when we start fast. We tend to turn it on late. You know, second and third and fourth quarter. But if we start fast. We hard to beat. I like that about our team. You know, even like even with AD being out, we started fast and we just knew we we limited just took away Steph. They couldn't beat us. And then Draymond went out. You know, not that he's a great offensive threat, but he went out, you know, um, with ankle early on, and that was just it for them. You know, that perimeter defense was stifling. You know, we, LeBron was sitting by them, you know, into the third quarter. You know, he said the whole fourth. <laughs> you know, so that tells you we was up by up was at 38 points, I want to say, the largest lead we had in that game. So, you know, I mean, it was a, you know, 500 week, I guess you can say. We lost to the Wizards, lost to the Jazz, beat the Blazers, beat the Warriors. So, you know, it was a 500 week, but we still a second in the West. You know, we're sitting in a good spot. You know, we got a few games coming up here. Um, we got two games, the Suns and the Kings, before the All-Star break. And we get a nice little rest, um, something we need. Definitely something we need, you know, because I feel like, you know, having Dennis back, and um, I'm not sure exactly when AD's going to come back, and I say rest him as long as possible. But overall, you know, I think that um, if LeBron is going to, you know, pick his spots, you know, and play, you know, you know, be dominant when he needs to be dominant and just kind of lay back and build the confidence of the other guys and make sure they're playing well going down the stretch, that's a good formula. I think that's a good formula going into the playoffs, you know. So as long as we hang around, you know, in that top three, you know, echelon of uh, standards, I think we'll be fine, you know. But um, like I said, we just, you know, play good perimeter defense, you know, continue to do that every night because that's just effort, you know, just playing good perimeter defense and playing, you know, being uh, effort-driven and being uh, energetic on the defensive end every night is something we always can do. Whether we're hitting shots or not, we always can do that, you know. So I think that – the biggest thing is as long as we do that leading to the all-star break, play play good perimeter defense with these teams we got to play the next couple of weeks, next couple of day games, not a couple of weeks, but next couple of games, the next two games we got. Um, you know, let LeBron pick his spots and kind of, you know, pace himself, you know, and then we'll get some much-needed rest, you know, after the uh, after the Kings game. And we'll, um, and we'll get back at it, man. I think that rest will definitely help us because we sorely need it. I think a lot of teams in the league need it because I just feel like the whole – the league as a whole is fatigued, and I think that's really – the biggest problem with why scoring is so high and defense is lacking because people just, you know, don't have the energy, man, to exert themselves on both ends, you know, and they just choosing to score points, you know, rather than, you know, stop their opponents. And it's just being shootouts in a lot of regards. A lot of teams playing, you know, 110, 120 to 130 basketball, you know. You know, that's not the NBA I'm used to in the top end, at least in the top end teams. You score 130 on the lower end teams, but you got, you know, the Suns and the Jazz putting up 130 apiece on each other. You know, the Nets and the 76ers putting up, uh, you know, 135 on each other. It just, it's crazy. It's just crazy. You know, I just think that the lack of, you know, strategy you can create by having off days and practices and things like that nature because the schedule is so condensed, it's causing that. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I I think everybody needs a much needed rest and, you know, hopefully we can get, you know, guys, you know, that need a rest and relaxation and practice and try to scheme what we're going to do for the, in the back half of the season, you know, now that we know what the schedule is. And the good thing for the Lakers is that we didn't miss a whole lot of games for COVID-related reasons, so we're not going to have to shove in games in between, you know, other games or, you know, have to play a lot of games at the end that were canceled because of COVID protocol. So that's a good thing. That's a good thing. And hopefully it gets better, not worse. You won't have to face that, you know, postponement type of situation. So, you know, we'll we'll see how that shakes out. But yeah, I mean, overall, I mean, I like where we're at. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you can't be arguing with being one or two, you know, at this stage, especially with AD being out. 
you know, we're, we're still holding strong. Our defense has definitely stepped up in the last couple of games. I'm liking what I'm seeing. Hopefully we can continue that playing Phoenix, you know, here in, in, um, in the coming, in the next coming game. And we'll, we'll be all right. You know, I want us to definitely see, I think we can beat the Kings, but I really want to see how we fare against these Suns in Devin Booker. So looking forward to that. You know, but overall, I think, like I said, we hang around around the top three. I would like to be one or two for real. But if we three, I think we're in a good spot. It doesn't really matter. You know, let the Jazz and the Clippers, you know, wear themselves out trying to be the top seed. And, you know, we'll just see them at the normal time we would see them anyway. You know, so because one, two or three, no matter what seed you are, you're not going to see the top end team until the semifinals of conference, you know, conference title game. So, hey, man, you know, it is what it is. So long as we hang around three and get AD back healthy, I like how we, I like how we're going to fare. And like I said, I think, you know, it'll be a really good game against the Suns. I'll be tuning in heavy for that. And I think we'll be the Kings as well, as long as we have no fallouts and no craziness happen. But, but yeah, so we'll get into uh, these next two games. Hopefully we can go 2-0. And uh, we'll uh, get into all-star break, man, and we'll get back at it. And we'll kind of kind of track how AD's progress is going. And hopefully they don't rush him back. And we can get, um, we can hold, we can tread water long enough for him to get back healthy and get back his legs back under him and, and get healthy and get his win together. And he can uh, be the dominant force that we need him to be. So, yeah, man. So that's pretty much it for Lakers news this week, man. We're gonna, uh, you know, keep keep uh, keep up with the news and keep up with the updates, and you know, we'll see how next week checks out with All Star Break and what we can update you on. So we'll see how that goes. But stay tuned for the fourth, fourth quarter closeout. It's the Lockdown Davis Podcast. We are back with a fourth quarter closeout of the Lockdown Davis Podcast. I am your host, Coach Defense. Oh, man, let's get into these awards, man. Let's talk about our breakout player of the week, Lockdown Defender of the Week, and Big Dummy of the Week. And we also got a special segment called Black Excellence of the Week as well. We got to shout out somebody uh, or somebodies this week in Black Excellence. So let's talk about it, man. Let's get into it. All right, so... <laughs> To much to nobody's surprise, probably at this point, uh, the way he's been playing this last week, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo has been playing lights out. In his last week, he's amassed 37 points per game, 10.7 rebounds a game, and 5.6 assists per game. And their large run they've been on, uh, I talked about them in length early in the podcast about how well they're doing, and it looks like an uptick's going to happen with them getting Drew Holiday back as well. So Giannis been playing out of his mind. They've been playing really good against good teams. Uh, I'm not sure if their shooting is going to continue, but for right now they're playing good uh, good basketball. So shouts out to Giannis for winning the award. Uh, another award goes to Zion Williamson, man. I was the close race between him and Devin Booker, but I had to give it to Zion because his production has been largely effective for his team um on uh not just in scoring but in rebounds and assists so he's averaging 28.8 points a game uh in his last stretch of week and uh 9.5 rebounds a game almost 10 almost a double double and 5.3 assists per game so shout out design as well for being breakout player of the week now lockdown defender of the week is a good is a good one uh we got another familiar face uh rudy gobert amassed 46 rebounds over this stretch uh three steals and 10 blocks over four games, I mean, crazy, crazy. He had five. Let's see, had five blocks against the Pelicans uh, yesterday, so it was crazy. And the other one is Nerlin Noel, uh, uh, a notable name that was highly told in the draft, but hasn't really 
hit his stride yet, but he's definitely playing good defense this week for the Knicks. 30 rebounds over four games, five steals, and 10 blocks as well. So he's definitely playing lockdown defense. So we definitely give Nerland Noel his credit as well. So Rudy's a familiar face, but Nerland's a new one on the list. So we're going to give Nerland his credit as well. So to Giannis, Zion, Rudy, and Nerland, we give y'all credit for being breakout player of the week and lockdown defender of the week. Now, on to Big Dummy of the Week. Uh, I'm going to butcher this man's name, but uh, uh, Zal- Zalton is a soccer player, overseas soccer player, who criticized LeBron James this week for basically saying that he hasn't had the right or the he shouldn't be talking about social issues with his platform. <laughs> now, uh, I don't know if you've been sipping Laura Ingram's tea or whatever the case may be, but, you know, you basically said that in so many words that LeBron should shut up and dribble. And we're not, we're not here for that. We're not here for that. And, and if I'm not mistaken, you've been very divisive in your career over, the, over this uh, stretch of uh, time. You've been in the limelight as far as being an athlete or a soccer player. So how hypocritical are you, dude, to say anything about anybody's issues uh, and how they conduct themselves and how they use their platform when it's for good? You know, so you decided to criticize LeBron to basically tell him in a, in a roundabout way to shut up and dribble. And you have been criticizing other people in your avenues and using their platform for whatever you wanted to do. But you want to dictate and tell LeBron what he needs to do with his platform? Man, miss me with all that, bro. Miss me with all that. And you should just shut up. I don't I don't care if you kick a soccer ball or or not. Just shut up. Because you have no right to say anything about what LeBron does with his platform. He's done masterful things with the platform and has done great things and continues to do great things for uh, the league and social justice as a whole. So Zalton, whatever your name is, soccer player that criticized LeBron this week, you get the big dummy the week of the world. You big dummy. And speaking of LeBron, um, I want to give him credit and give the uh, Atlanta Dream, Renee Montgomery and others in her, uh, I guess you can say, uh, group, that purchased the Atlanta Dream this weekend, this past week. Uh, they definitely got together as a conglomerate and uh, put their money together to purchase the Atlanta Dream from Kelly Loeffler, who's God for second individual. So we, we definitely got the league to approve the sale of the team, one. And then Renee Montgomery, who was a former player, who opted out for uh, social justice or injustice issues to focus on that. Now it's become an owner, and LeBron helped spearhead that movement. So we definitely give Renee and her company and her conglomerate credit and definitely give LeBron credit as well for getting the Atlanta Dream into the right hands and they can flourish as the WNBA organization from here forward. So they're the Black Excellence of the Week. So we give you shouts as well for being Black Excellence of the Week in there. So that's going to wrap it up, man. This has been a good podcast. I appreciate everybody's support and time and listening to this. Uh, as always, we go live each and every Tuesday, 10 a.m. YouTube, Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcast. You name it, we're doing it. Appreciate everybody's support. We're going to keep rocking and rolling, man. Let me know when it comes, how you feel about the content, and what we can do good, better, or, or you know, best. And we'll uh, continue to rock and roll, man. 
As always, check out Sports Talk on Saturdays. If you live on twitch.tv for us, Lockdown Diva Sports, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Replay goes live on Monday at 11 a.m. on YouTube. So check all that out. Links are in for all the social medias are in the description of the video, as well as timestamps for the video. And you can fast forward to any segment that you want to listen to by clicking on the links to the uh, in YouTube. Look links to the timestamps for uh, the video. So if you want to jump ahead or jump back or go to any segment, you can do that as well. So. In the meantime, in between time, man, I'm your man, Coach Defense. Step up and lock it down.